I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. See also, I'm Kate Jinx. I'm Rudy Lancaster. Hi, Jinxie. Hey, BL. How you doing? I'm dressed like you today. You are a crisp blue and white striped shirt, and I see a little seersucker in there. Yeah, it's seersucker. I bought it from ASOS, and I accidentally bought two, and I'm keeping them both. Great. I told someone today, I feel like I'm dressed like I work on Gertrude Street, but I was in my <laughs> advertising agency office on St Kilda Road. <laughs> You, it is a bit Gertrude Street. Yeah, with my sneakers and my long dress underneath. Yeah, well, I came in wearing a scarf that someone left at my house. So, <laughs> you know. Because you had a big event at your house. Yeah, uh, over the weekend hosted a party. My girlfriend and I hosted a party for our dear friend. And it was actually the first time we've had like a big party at our house. We've had like a couple of people over here and there. We've mm-hmm. lived there for like, I don't know, two and a half years now, but. Yeah, so this was the first time. So it was kind of nice to get a sense of how many people will fit. I think we did reach the limit of that. What's the max capacity? I reckon we got to about 50 downstairs. Wow. So that's impressive. Yeah, it had real, uh, like the party from breakfast at Tiffany's vibes okay. for a minute. Like, were people standing on the little, um, the, the small portion of outdoor space where you want to put like a, um, is it a hot tub or a... Oh, the light well. Yeah. There was no no one out there. A few people braved the elements for the balcony, but mm-hmm. not for long. Wow, 50 inside. That's impressive. Yeah. Mm. I mean, if it was a lot of, you know, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was funny hosting a party for somebody else because you're like, 
well, I don't know this guest list. Yeah, I'm just the ve- I'm just the venue. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was kind of nice because it takes the pressure off a little bit, so mm. I could just concentrate on the fact that, like, trying to make sure that Top Chef wasn't licking up any spilt boozy drinks yeah, off sure. the floor. That sounds chic. Yeah, it was it was really nice. And mm. now it's like, oh, now next time we can. And everyone was very nice, I have to say. Everyone that I met that night that mm-hmm. I didn't know who was in my house. You're like mum being like, oh, the kids are really nice. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, everyone's very well behaved. <laughs> A few people going into the bathroom at the same time. But, um, you know, apart from that. Each their own. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was it was cute. But now it's like, oh, now we should have our own party it's time for the housewarming with our own guests the apartment. <laughs> now we should invite over people we know yeah how crazy random. crazy yeah. <laughs> what about you i've been laying pretty low um although i did do something pretty exciting last week i went to a trivia night Mm-hmm. That's not the exciting bit, although it was hosted by Eamon Clark from Isolation Trivia. Um, a group of friends and I did his uh, virtual trivia nights oh, yeah. during lockdown many times. So he did them. He did a live one at Bodrigi in uh, – where's Bodrigi? Collingwood, Abbotsford, whichever. It's on Johnson Street. Abbotsford. Um, yeah. And we had a table of – the people that we did virtual trivia with many times during lockdown and also a couple of ring-ins including Dicko from Australian Idol. Love that. He and his wife were the only people sitting at the table when I arrived and I was like, oh, yeah, the booking's under this name. And they're like, that's your table just at the back there. And I just saw two people I didn't know and I was like, oh, they must have just been here having a drink. I'll wait for them to leave before I sit down. And then I got closer and I realised it was Dicko who has a podcast with the host of the Trivia Night and I was like, oh, he's on my team. Oh, wow. And so I sidled over. He introduced himself as Dicko. Of course, I mean, what else was he going to say? Ian, his real name. Oh, no one knows that. Dico and his wife Mel loved him. By the end of the night, we were hugging. He and I, like, well, like, not to not to big up myself, we led the team. Of course you did. To fourth place victory. Dico is <laughs> so good at trivia. You would not even believe. I would believe. I didn't. I, I didn't. At first, it sounded like a lot of the things he was suggesting were jokes. And then I realized that he was right about everything so I just tuned everyone else out and listened to Dicko. <laughs> there was one question that was like which two 2017 movies featured a girl taking her partner home to meet her parents for the first time and they find out that the parents are racist and I was like one get out and he said Shrek the third. Wow. Is that in Sh- Shrek the third? I've never seen it but I was like do her parents hate ogres? Probably. Probably. Maybe. You know what? He was right. Wow. Yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, pretty, pretty phenom. So good one, Dicko. Shout out Dicko. He's on Instagram, <laughs> so I couldn't like I went home and I was compelled to like keep the friendship going. Mm. Anyway, it was a real oh, starstruck, but also like, wow, he's a person. They're just like us. They're just like us, good at trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Rising started. Well, it's yeah, it's started now, but it's kind of started a little bit earlier with Euphoria. Oh yeah, um, but I the ti- I, the tiger Kate Blanchett. Yes, and it's one of those things where it's like so. Rising is a festival here in Melbourne, and uh, like an arts festival. But the first thing that I bought tickets to was also the first thing that I have already missed because I had too much work <laughs> that I couldn't go to. Yeah, it happens every year now. Every I'm like, year. yes, yes, I will. Say, yes, and then. No, absolutely not. I cannot I, leave. I'm anticipating doing that because I'm going to see Wise Blood on Wednesday night. Same. 
advertised at 8 p.m. She's on at 10. I missed that update. I'll still go. I've been to every one of her tours and she's really great live. I really love her, but I am a sleepy girl. Although the next day is my last day at work ever. Who am I staying awake for? Oh, just you know? come, just come. Yeah, I'll just yeah. come. All right. I'm missing Ethel Kane, which is a bummer, but I am looking forward to seeing Odia by Aphids. Mm. And Jackie at MTC, which is in the theatre program. Oh, cool. Very excited for that. Yeah, RVG, who I will talk more about a bit later, are also launching their new album and I'm going to that show, which will be Slay. I will do Devil Horns. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm glad. Uh, Moving on to TV, BL, Mm -hmm. I did get to go to the Melbourne premiere of Deadlock, the new fantastic show on Amazon Prime by the Kates, the other Kates, as I like to say, Kate McCartney and Kate <laughs> McLennan. And, uh, yeah, they they did a, a, a like a special screening for mm-hmm. the first episode. Which nice was, of them to include you. It was very fab. The other Kate. Yeah, it was really great <laughs> to go and see this show that I've heard so much about for so long now. I know. So they've been making it for eight years. Wh- what? Yeah, it's been it's like, like it hasn't been in – full production mode for eight no, years. No, yeah, but I remember that's when, when they went to Tassie to film it a couple mm, of years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. God, it's a frosty show. I, I watched all three episodes of It the is weekend. a frosty show. It's fucking great. It is really good. Yeah. So that was fun. But then afterwards it was like, where should we go? And it was like, I don't know, it was like 11 o'clock or where something. Where was the premiere, sorry? Oh, at Acme. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, and I luckily had like a number of places at my fingertips just because of MIF, like looking for oh, yeah. places where I have to take guests to when yeah. everything's closed or whatever. And, uh, yeah, but there's, it's starting to, I don't know. It's really hard when it gets to like 11 PM and Jinxie, you're like, oh, we can go to this it. place. And then it's like, oh, they all close at 12 now. I've said this. So by the time you schlep there. Yeah. Last drinks. And what's that place? What's your go-to? Well, I well at Acme, Hell's Kitchen, but Dessou is the place that I've been going to. It's oh. under Hazel. Okay, and they're open till one. It's kind of like a. I hate to use the term, but speakeasy vibe. It's in the <laughs> it's in the lower ground um, of the building, so underneath the restaurant Hazel. Uh-huh. And you know they do a good cocktail. They've got good big booths, so you can. Get that happening. Otherwise, um, Siglo is always tends to be always open. Yeah, and, but always a messy night. I find there. Right, it's hard to hard to control. Uh, or Bar Margot is generally open late. It tends to be open late. Yeah, and Heartbreaker. I've they're said, like they're the ones. Yeah, I've said seven trillion times in my life that if you were to open just a restaurant with good food that's comfortable. And you can get a pasta or like a club sandwich, kind of like um, room service menu vibe in that corner of the city, you would make a fucking killing. Mm. Cause like before a forum show, I'm either going like formal at like or semi-formal at hero, mm-hmm. or I'm going like quick, cheap, like a Shanghai mama dumplings. Yeah. And there's really not much in between. No. Nando's. No. So we had drinks at Hero after the launch, but then, you know, once it gets to 11 or something, you go move on. But I always feel like such personal stress at having to find a place for the group, even Mm -hmm. if it's not my group, you know, I'm always like, I've got to be the one with a one good place. (laughs) Anyway, I was, and we went there and it was fun. Great. Great. Congratulations. Thank you. 
Um, TV update, Vanderpump Rules is ending this week. By the time people listen to this, it will have ended. How are you coping with that? I wrote in my notes, I miss her. (laughs) It's so good. I mean, I cried at part two of the reunion Mm -hmm. watching Sheena Shea talk about the toll that Raquel's restraining order was having on her family life and not being present with her daughter, Summer Moon. Um, Summer Moon. Yeah. And Ariana trying to, like, hold back tears watching Sheena Lala's crying. They're all like it's a mess. Hang on, who's got the restraining order against two? Raquel took out the night that the affair was mm-hmm. discovered. Sheena was with Raquel because they had just appeared on Watch What Happens Live together in New York. Ariana was in LA with Sandoval. His phone fell out of his pocket on stage. Someone gave it to her, and she just, some woman's intuition, she opened it, saw in his photos a video of him and Raquel on FaceTime together. Mm-hmm. The rest is history. The rest is history. She called Raquel and was like, tell me the truth. Tell me what's going on. And Raquel, as she said to Andy Cohen in part two of the reunion, Tom and I hadn't had a chance to like get our stories straight by that point. And Andy was like, so you would have truncated the time that you'd been sleeping together. And she was like, yeah, like this bitch is <laughs> Jesus Christ. But like, she has no clue what not to say on camera. Uh-huh. Like she's digging the hole for herself. <laughs> And so she said to Ariana, she was like, like seven, eight months that we've been sleeping together. And so Ariana, she was like, thank you for telling me because he never would have. And then on the other side of the country, Sheena's like, what's going on? Why is, why is Ariana calling you like so mad? And she was like, Sandoval and I have been having an affair for seven months. And Sheena flew into a rage, Mm -hmm. allegedly shoved or pushed her Raquel claims that she punched her okay Sheena's got a bit of I hate to invoke it but Sheena has like an OJ response where she's like I can't form a fist because I have really long acrylic nails and they would break like I physically cannot form a fist this is like which one Prince and is it was it Prince Andrew who was like it wasn't me I I don't sweat (laughs) but it's like she's she's evoking um if the glove doesn't fit you must acquit like oh god <laughs> and if i can't form a fist you must dismiss so in part two of the reunion andy like raquel is like yeah i really shouldn't have done that to sheena because they can't be on stage at the same time they have to be a hundred yards well, away from one another ask if there's a because, restraining order yeah so raquel watched part two, one and two of the reunion from a trailer a hundred yards away and at the end of part two, they get Sheena off as good as gold plays over the, <laughs> over the scene. They put her in a little van. They drive her around the block. And once the van is 100 meters away from the trailer, they bring Raquel in and then they put Sheena in her van. And then she sits and drinks a white claw and watches the rest of the reunion. So we, wow. we're yet to see Raquel interact with anyone. That's what's happening. She drinks a white claw with her white claws. Yeah. Because <laughs> she cannot form a fist She with. cannot famously form a fist. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's been a miracle of a season. I'm just so, so blessed. Well, as much as I loved that episode we did about it with Nomi Fry which is well worth uh, a listen if you didn't catch it. Uh, I did drop off. Mm-hmm. I did drop off BPR, but I have been enjoying watching other people watch it, like Gogglebox style on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a joy. And to everyone who's asked me, now I really want to start Vanderpump Rules. Where do I start, Brody? I'm going to t- say the same thing to all of you. Season one, episode one. I'm not giving you a shortcut. You need to be invested in the series. Okay? Yeah. 
at least you know that the highs are coming. I didn't know that when I went through those grim, <laughs> grim middle seasons, okay? You got to do it. Well, Top Chef also wraps up this week, which... And Padma. And Padma Lakshmi is leaving after 20 seasons, which is distressing, I have to say. Mm. It does feel kind of maybe a natural end for the show. I love like Tom it. and Gail. So, I mean, hopefully they'll still be there. It's Tom from Original Queer Eye, right? No. Oh. No, Tom Colicchio. Oh. The owner of Craft Restaurants. My apologies. I know that Tom from Original Queer Eye is the host of some reality cooking show in America. Oh, yes, definitely not, not this. Tom's a straight man so if sorry. ever there was so one. So sorry. And who's the other person? Gail Simmons, okay. the former editor, I think, of Food and Wine magazine. Oh, she. But Padma, no more Padma. Yeah, it feels like having never watched a single second of <laughs> Top Chef, it does feel like a natural end. Well, I'm very happy with the final three of the finale and I'm very much looking forward to that next Saturday BL. Great, great, great. great. Uh, Barry has finished. I don't know, are we ready to talk about it or not? Yeah, I think so. I think anyone who, look, yeah, I think so. Maybe let's not do a spoilers for this. I feel like let's we could not. do a deeper uh, thing on Barry at some yeah, point. Yeah, okay. I'm very satisfied with it. I think Bill Hader is a genius. I think his, like, feelings for the character and the industry um, were, were put on full display. Oh, yes, they you know, were. He has such disdain for Hollywood and for, like, violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a deeply lovely show and it just was so brilliantly shot Mm -hmm. like and Bill Hader directed Mm -hmm. much of it towards the end um but yeah that whole final season was just so incredibly well shot all of the action sequences were amazing yeah the really long pans yeah it was the scene when Barry kind of leap you know there's a time jump in the middle of the final season and then Barry kind of is separated from his family and that episode where you don't know if what is going through um, Sally's head is real or like her kind of hysteria and trauma flashbacks is so chilling. I was like, Bill Hader remake funny games now. Like, <laughs> oh my God, again, the third funny game. Yeah, he could do a great job. Imagine <laughs> funny games but with Eddie Sandberg in it. Oh, my God, funny games, a TV series, mm. Dead Ringer style. Mm. I don't know. I don't mm. know. But, yeah, hi, I mean, I've I've spoken at length about how much I adore Barry and yeah. it did not change. See, also watch Barry so we can talk about it in a spoilery way in an yeah. upcoming episode, I think. See, also 40 episodes of Barry. What it's else are you doing it. with your it's weekend? Yeah. And it's also you can't binge it very much because it is really violent. Uh, mm. And I've and towards the seasons three and four, I found myself needing to like not because of the violence, but having to like step away from it after each episode just because there was mm. so much going on. Mm. Yeah, there was such a big gap between the end of season two and the start of season three that I kind of went into season three forgetting a bit of what people were still talking or fighting about and so I think like I said about succession last week I kind of want to go and do a full rewatch from the start because also people who die in season one are so present in the story of the show they're mm-hmm. still speaking about Janet Janice at, Janice yeah you think I get her name right they talked about <laughs> her so much Janice by you know the the finale of the whole series she mm-hmm. died at the end of season one and but the idea that like even though Barry's a hitman and he murders so many people, like 
they all matter. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. It's such a it's such a great show. I hope everyone mm. watches it. Yeah, but um without being spoiler at all about what happens in the final season, I, the spin-off of any show I have ever wanted, like the only spin-off I've ever wanted is a spin-off about Noho Hank. Absolutely. He needs yeah. a show. Those eight years in his life. Oh, I need to see. That actor, Anthony Kerrigan, he is just brilliant. He's amazing. He's so good. He was supposed to die in like the first episode or the first season, maybe the first episode. And then Bill Hader was like, oh, no, this guy's now a central point of the <laughs> yeah, show. too I'm, incredible. I want him here forever. <laughs> and another show that we've both been consuming, if you can call it that, living, enjoying, selling, Sunset. Oh, yeah, I'm buying, baby. I'm buying big time. <laughs> Season six, I am investing. I mean. Ringing that bell. Ringing that bell. It is, look, it's, I'm not, I haven't finished the season, so no spoilers for me either. Um, <laughs> oh, you, I wonder what could happen. <laughs> I know, it's like you can't have spoilers on this show because it's about real estate and also they it, filmed it, happened it two years a ago. while ago. <laughs> And well, that's the thing with this show and like any reality show set in LA, you can always tell when it was filmed because there are constant drone shots of uh, sunset. So you can see all the billboards. So this one, it's Hocus Pocus 2 and The Watcher. It's like, okay, I know when this is set. Oh, I remember that era. That was so great. Yeah. Also because the, you know, the Chriselle G-Flip relationship is not a huge plot point, um, but it is no spoilers, Jinxie. But the idea of like G flip, Do they get together? G, G flip going on tour eventually mm. um, is like part of conversations. Yeah. And we know that like Crucial was here at Splendor in the Grass last September. Yeah, we know. Like, the idea of spoilers for Selling Sunset is so funny so to me. So funny. Uh, but anyway, we won't Spoiler have alert, Davina didn't sell the house. <laughs> Early on she when they're like, does. where's Davina? She's at Burning Man. All I could think was like, imagine being fucked up in the desert and encountering Davina unblinking like a fucking demigorgon. Absolutely not. I really loved this one sequence when Davina is offered bread at uh, Heather's baby shower and the look of horror on her face and the way she uh, waves her hands in front of her face. She doesn't say no. She just does this like horrified thing, like as if to say, you don't even need to ask me that. Davina's it's really good. AI. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. Also, it's been many seasons. I still can't tell Emma, the other one, e Emma, Heather, and is there a third one apart? All the blondes. I I, mean, I know Mary now. Mary has stopped blending her foundation past her jaw. So I and I always know Mary. I know Emma because of her goddamn food empire. <laughs> Her empire nada. <laughs> She's the one who's besties with Chriselle, right? Emma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she, I, I've, she, she's grown on me. I forget there's more than one because when there's just one of them in the scene, and then it cuts to another one, I'm like, which one is this <laughs> high ponytailed blonde woman? Yeah, she's often got a high ponytail. That one. Yeah. Um, Amanda stands out from the crowd of blondes. She does. Amanda's like the most empathetic one on the whole entire show. Amanda's deeply cool, but her outfits this season were fucking like diabolical. Oh, she has dialed it up, she hasn't like she? like an evil dictator or something, <laughs> like stomping into a showing with like pointy metal tits. And the constant um, 
full sleeve to glove. Yeah. Like I just, how are they touching anything? Yeah. I don't know. I like these new women. They've, I know I like Brie. She's I the like only Brie. new one, right? Chelsea's got to fucking go. Chelsea's when terrible. Chelsea's sitting there talking about how she doesn't understand Brie's life or her decisions because she fucked Nick Cannon and had his baby. Um, I was and Chelsea was like, I'm a mum. You don't you don't even have time to put makeup on when you're a busy mum. And I was like, bitch, you are airbrushed. Like, yeah, you've sat in hair and makeup for four hours to look yeah. like that. Stop. As Judge Judy would say, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> yeah, she. Yeah, I cannot stand Chelsea. Uh, she has not grown on me at all. Her In fake fact, British accent. Accent is so terrible. But then this season. Her husband. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about. Oh. Her husband. A, that she's like incredibly judgmental, of which is fucked. Like, you don't need that on Selling Sunset. But her husband, he looks like Alan Cumming in the. End of Romeo and Michelle's. Yes. It's but with a goatee like a little magician. Yes, he's totally Yes, he's totally Magic Castle. He looks like he's just wearing a vest. Like he just wears like a shirt and a vest. Oh. And his little wire-framed glasses. I was like, what the fuck do you two have in common? Yeah, absolutely nothing. Really Except nothing. Except their love of restaurants that are like aquariums. Oh. Every restaurant they go to, have you seen when they go to dinner? I was a foursome with Jason and yes, his 24 year old girlfriend mm-hmm. and Chelsea just hammers him the whole time. Yeah, she's really full on that. And the scene where the, just the two of them are on a dinner date together and the waiter comes over and is like, it's your favorite. And it's like blue mollusk smoke or something. <laughs> but every, every room that they're in and they're like, this is our favorite restaurant is like, <laughs> it somehow looks like a set from Aladdin. Maybe it's his vest. That's making me think that, but it's mm. like, it's very like purple and blue. It looks like they're underwater. Yeah, I don't I don't appreciate like it. Like they've gone to Dubai to have a date in one of those like underwater oh, yeah. hotel yeah, yeah, yeah. rooms and then come back to, and told us it's in LA <laughs> totally. every single time. Every time. Yeah. It's true. Um on the restaurant front, mm-hmm. how funny is it? <laughs> this is my favorite thing of the whole season so far that Jason has just discovered Aperol spritzes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's just like because he's oh, we've been a European woman. He's like, oh, we've been drinking these since Madrid or something, which was like they were just on holidays two weeks ago. Like they've never, he's never heard of an Aperol spritz. Yeah, yeah. It's like dude, this is twenty twenty two. This is a drink that like even the New York Times did that article about the it's Aperol spritz being over like years ago, a year before he discovered them. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Well, I, I'm so sad to say Vale to that relationship because he mm. and Betty Sue or whatever her name is, that like German model. Minnie Lee. Maya Lee. I don't know. I've got no idea what her name is. <laughs> Minnie Lee. Minnie Lee. I don't know. What was her name? I literally, Betty Sue was the closest I could Laura get. May? It's a, t- it's, I thought it was started with a B. Maybe yeah, it could wrong. be. I don't know. We will never know. <laughs> Minnie Lee and Betty Sue are as close <laughs> as we're getting tonight. <laughs> R.I.P. to that relation. Oh, it's really You'll sad. find another seven-foot woman to gaze up at mm. eventually, I'm sure. I'm sure he will. Um, what else? Oh, speaking of looks, Amanda's been, like, pretty off the charts. But Brie, who I do like, she uh, – this one particular, um, like, to camera that she shoots – She's wearing like what looks like bulldog clips or paper clips in her hair, like really long black hair. And it looks like 
Uh, I would call it Pocahontas at Officeworks. <laughs> that's been the she most surprising one. Tangled up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but I dig her. Love I, it. I really liked the episode where they go to Palm Springs and go to Elvis's honeymoon house because mm-hmm. it felt like for the first time in the entire six seasons that A, there was a nice house on screen. <laughs> like this house is so fucking ugly. Yeah. But also that they all seemed to really like it. And it was like, oh, maybe this is actually to some of their tastes. Yeah. But we just don't get to see it because they don't sell in that area. I mean, the Palm Springs also put Selling Sunset in esteemed company because it's a housewife's trip. Mm. They've sent the women away to all get messy and have dinners and mm. have arguments around a dinner table. Did a chill just run down your spine? Oh, I did. <laughs> um, and that's where we get the famous, like, Chriselle calling someone a crackhead. Yeah, it's so good. It's such a good moment of television. That couldn't happen in the Oppenheim office. You it need really to couldn't. send them away. No, the new Christopher Nolan film. <laughs> um uh that woman that new blonde oh is that the new blonde woman go on her instagram and look at the photos of herself that she posted from the season six like netflix red carpet Mm. she's dressed like nomi from showgirls she has these spiral curls piled up on her head she's seven feet tall she's got those like tacky butterfly tattoos on her shoulder no offense to anyone and this like little skinny like yellow mini bodycon dress and just these long long legs and she's just like like not knowing how to pose for a camera and i was like no me it's very Versace. Very Versace. But I mean justice for Nomi um, yeah. because that one, what's her name again? I've already forgotten. Nicole. Nicole. <laughs> she is the dullest person I have seen on screen in some time yeah. in a reality show. Yeah. She is. No when, strategy. When no she talked strategy. about how she was like a former teen athlete or something, I was like, mm-hmm. Not that that's a bad thing, obviously. Yeah. But. There was just something about, like, I couldn't put my finger on it, like, just so prefect. Like, she just had this yeah, okay. boring background thing. I don't know. Well, it's the reason why it took till season six for them to be like, oh, who's that working back there actually selling houses? Come on, you'll do. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I think maybe they could introduce a guy at some point. Mm. I'm waiting for that. Yeah. That's buying Beverly Hills. We've seen that. Oh, we have seen that. Apol- yeah, apologies. <laughs> or my favourite Australian one. Yeah, what's that? Um, Sydney Harbour Mansions. The Am Amazon I getting close? Show. Uh, yes, what's it called? Glitterati. Glitterati. What's um, it called? It's called. I famously haven't watched it. It's, it's called. It's a great show. Yeah. Um, Chriselle watched it. Did she mentioned she? it in my when I interviewed her for Vogue. Also, um, behind the scenes goss mm. when I interviewed um, Chriselle and G Flip um, and asked about this season, the things that they said. What well, now that we've seen the season, the things they said were G Flip didn't want to do the show until the night before they agreed to let the cameras come into the studio. Mm. Look, when they went into the studio, they were playing the single that just came out, timed with the season of Selling Sunset, which also was timed with Chriselle saying that they had just got married. You don't like, say. Like earlier this year. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay, you didn't want to film mm-hmm. for Selling Sunset. But then they also offhandedly mentioned like, oh, yeah, and we did that scene in the kitchen and the team, like the team gave them cuts to approve to make sure that like, you know, they were happy with their 
edit or what was being shown of their relationship because Chris Ellis are very protective of G. Well, and everything that they shot that they didn't approve of ended up in the L Word Generation <laughs> Q at Ben and Tina's wedding. The other show is Lux Listing. Lux Listing. Glitterati, I was close. Yeah, you are close. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to see also for Selling Sunset. Yeah. Uh, it's something that everyone might be thinking about, I sure was, it is an article on Curbed, uh, which is why do houses on Selling Sunset have so many bathrooms? I saw that. Well, I clicked. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't fully answer the question, but we're going to link it in the show notes because it is kind of interesting. All right. This film that we're about to talk about came out a little while ago. Jinxie's been famously in Khan, we've been busy we've been talking about other stuff so we kind of held off a little while until we got to the point where kind of everyone who was going to see it will have seen it hopefully by now the film is Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid we need to talk about Bo we sure do and if you're worried about spoilers listen for a little bit and then we'll play a noise and then you can just check the show notes for when you can skip forward to our also also's so the film is there's not a lot of plot but there's also a lot of plot i suppose it's like a surrealist black comedy kind of about Bo Wasserman played by Joaquin Phoenix he is like an adult who is riddled with paranoia and anxiety he lives in like the scuzziest apartment block you've ever fucking seen Mm -hmm. uh and things just kind of go from very bad to massively massively worse over the course of a few days he's trying desperately to get home to see his mother that we only hear on the phone for a long time and He's trying, but he's not getting there. Things don't work out for Bo at every turn. He he literally can't even walk down the street without something bad happening to him. And there's this kind of air in the film of like so much comically terrible stuff happens to this person that you're kind of thinking, is this all in his head? Is this all like a kind of simulation or like a an experience? a test that he's being put through or something, or is he just like the most unlucky person on earth? And it's, you kind of, there's kind of a a reading of this film. That's like, it's kind of all three maybe. Yeah. I think it probably is. (laughs) Yeah. Like you, you come to understand later in the film that things aren't, aren't kind of organically happening to him. There's kind of a controlling hand over much of his life and the week that we kind of experience with, with poor old Bo. Poor old Bo. And Joaquin is, like, not looking his best here. Oh, no. He's schlubby as fuck. He is. <laughs> he is. <laughs> He's been through a lot. He's enduring a lot, just, like, as an actor. <laughs> oh, my God. I really, like... He's got huge balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joaquin just, like, he goes so hard with every role that I really sit there worrying for him. Yeah. Like, I genuinely fear for... Joaquin. It's a distressing experience. Yeah, there was um, an incident. I'm not gonna. We'll we'll get into spoiler territory in a bit. But there like is a scene, like a very intense scene, uh, between uh, Phoenix and uh, Patty Lapone, who's in the film, and he's suddenly collapsed and lost consciousness as a result of like the physical intensity the of what he was doing. Yeah. Um, he had to like break glass in this scene. Um, and Asta apparently was like, quote, initially annoyed because it was a really good take. 
And then only realized it was serious because Phoenix was letting people touch him and people were tending to him and he was allowing it. <laughs> oh, God. What two kooks? Like Phoenix and Asta, they are... Uh, absolute kooks before i saw the movie like i wasn't seeking out any information or reviews or anything but i did watch ari aster in the criterion closet Mm -hmm. and so the only information i took into this film was he picked up a a movie from the criterion closet called closely watched trains which i've never heard of before but he kind of commented that the guy in that movie and Bo are alike in that they're both men who really want to come yeah. And I thought he was joking, and then yeah. I saw the movie. And then you saw the movie, which brings us to we're going to head into spoiler territory around here. Look, if you've seen Bo is Afraid, that's fine, keep listening. But if you haven't and you like are dying not to have anything spoiled for you, we'll play a bit of music and you can look in the show notes and see where to skip ahead. But also, I will say, I just, I don't know that if you haven't seen it already, maybe you're not going to and you can just keep listening. Yeah, it's a lot to, seeing this movie is a lot to put yourself through. It is. I got flashbacks while watching it to when I went to see Philip Glass's like six hour long Einstein on the beach. And (laughs) I spent- Oh my God, I forgot about that. I spent the whole time watching Einstein on the beach and see, trying to figure out who- how everything was connected and what the narrative was. And it was only after leaving that I saw on Wikipedia that there is no narrative. No, no narrative. Bo does have a narrative. There kind is of. a, there is a kind of, kind of, there's a beginning and an end and a lot in the middle. There's a lot in the middle, but, um, but yeah. Okay. Spoiler noise here. Spo- Cue spoiler noise. Sorry to take us on a Philip Glass tangent there. Always. <laughs> Okay, so you mentioned Patti LuPone before. Yeah. And so we find out throughout the film, Patti LuPone is Mona Wasserman, Bo's mother, who runs this company called MW, which is kind of like a, like Acme in the Roadrunner comics or something, you know, like he, it does and makes everything, including surveillance technology that has been tracking Bo. And it has many, many employees, including many of the people who come across his path and lead him either towards or away from his mother. He's essentially being tested at every turn through situations that are so outside of his control and she's kind of watching to see how he's going to react to see if he will be a good loyal son and come home to her to mama uh to mummy's teat which is always (laughs) you know not literally but kind of literally i mean could have been to daddy as well um to return home in this kind of like Odyssey, haven't read, Kafka-esque, haven't read. These are all from reviews. (laughs) Like this like test of Bo's will um, and it's underpinned by like kind of Jewish maternal guilt. There's elements of like the Truman Show in the like Mm. the world of people observing and forcing his hand at certain points. And so, I don't know, Jinxie, do you want to run through maybe a couple of the people he comes across and places he goes oh boy oh boy oh boy uh well i mean he starts off essentially being kidnapped in like where i thought i was watching it and i was like oh this is going to be like a misery style film yeah um and of course like Astor wouldn't do that like he <laughs> needs to take it to some crazy place after that um so he is uh essentially kidnapped by 
Amy Ryan, who I love. Uh, she was last seen as uh, Steve Martin's psychotic girlfriend in Only Murders in the Building. And Nathan Lane, who puts in, oh my God, <laughs> one of the best performances of his career. Also recently in Only Murders. Also recently in Only Murders. Oh my God, when Nathan Lane says, my dude, <laughs> I hooted. Like it every time he spoke in that kind of way, it was like... What a perfect line reading. As soon as he appeared on screen, I started laughing. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So he takes, they take him, they hit him in the car, in their car, and then they take him to their like weird suburban house with their really fucked uh, up daughter, really fucked up teenage daughter. And Bo kind of, um, he becomes their extra son, kind of a replacement for the son that they uh, lost in the military who died fighting, essentially. Fighting the US versus Venezuela, you know, that Uh, famous war. No, no, there's like none of it's real or true, but there are all these like great details in the quite nice house that they filmed in. Oh, yeah. Very nice. And like the jigsaw puzzle of like the son's like military photo Mm -mm. that like the mum is just doing and they, they have a room that you can't go into. Meanwhile, and they're like... Nathan Lane's character is a surgeon and like everyone's just on a lot of pills in the house. None more so than the teenage daughter who is just like guzzling from like that, you know, yellow pill box. Oh my God. Literally just sitting on the couch, chewing pills, staring at Bo. Um, she, he wakes up in her room, which she's not happy about, which is covered in K-pop posters. It's very Um, good. The set design in this film is phenomenal oh yeah um and just i'm gonna bring up a few things throughout but like one of the k-pop bands they're all fictional of course is kiss and the s's are fives and their tagline is we are 55 boys and we love you (laughs) (laughs) i know well even like before he gets to that room the the apartment building is just filled with like this disgusting, like really, really like dank graffiti of there's like one guy, like a drawing of a guy who's like pissing into his own mouth. And it says something like, don't mind if I do or, or don't something. knock it till you try it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my God. And there's then all so of many the, dicks early on that start. Oh to, my God. There are dicks everywhere. Yeah. And there's like these porn shops and like a strip house, like outside like a peep show, a peep show. And it's just, the signage is incredible. This is truly like you want to be able to pause it to have a good look yeah there were about six people total in the massive theater that i saw it in there's nobody when i saw it. no one but only me and one other guy seemed to clock what the titles some of the titles (laughs) on the peep show because we laughed at the exact same moment when i read knife dick brackets stab other man (laughs) and another title was pussy open the bottle (laughs) and these like the street outside Bo's neighborhood is like just full of like the most terrifying creatures you've ever seen including the birthday boy stab man who was on the news is just running around a naked man stabbing people and um when all these kind of like people infiltrate Bo's apartment at some point he's sitting outside just watching them terrorizing ripping apart his belongings but there's one guy just doing the dishes in the kitchen. It's so good. And when he finally gets to go back into the apartment and the blender's still on. The blender's on. Wow. And all his Oloha Hawaiian Island <laughs> freezer meals have been destroyed. Yeah, all of the production design in this is amazing. Amazing. Um, one of the, like, 
the coolest things I think about Bo is Afraid is that through three of the crucial creative roles uh, are by Australian women. So we've got Gemma Burns, shout out, doing um, music supervision, Alice Babbage doing costume design and Fiona Crombie uh, production design. So like all these three like major, major elements as we learn in the film um yeah by australian women incredible work incredible production design incredible costumes and the music supervision being by an australian person makes so much sense when you hear shine by vanessa Ramorosi. oh it does doesn't it hyping through the forest <laughs> that Bo finds himself in <laughs> yeah it's so it's so good after being in the house he manages to escape but they set this other man who lives with him uh, onto him. Um, and he's played by Denny Menashe. Yeah. Uh, and he's got like a nonverbal role, um, but he played the titular character in um, the excellent uh, gender flipped version of uh, Fassbinder's The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kahn. It was called Peter von Kahn, uh, directed by Francois Ozon. If you can track it down, kind of hard to see, but if you can track it down, it's great. And Denny Menashe plays like this total Fassbinder character and he's so good in that. Mm. So to see him in this like weird, like nonverbal role where he's just kind of a killing machine was yeah. like, I couldn't, it was very funny. Yes, he's like a drugged up, yeah, yeah killing machine like yeah, that's what yeah. it is so he tracks Bo to a forest where he's stumbled upon this kind of very station 11 very station 11 <laughs> style uh, uh theater, theater performers yeah. and one of the theater performers is little baby michael gandolfini yeah who is an absolute angel i was so happy to see him appear and that is when you hear shine by vanessa amorosi mm. Bo, in his mind, question mark, goes on this kind of like odyssey as a member of the theatre troupe, but then kind of comes back to reality and is in the forest. And that's when we learn um, through flashback to his mum as a younger person, played by Zoe Lister-Jones. She does a good job. So fucking good. Like as soon as you see the cast you know that this is like a comedy. Mm. Zoe Lister-Jones is so brilliant. A lot of people want us to watch her show to talk about it. Okay. We'll look it up. I'll figure it out. We find out then during flashback as Bo's taking this kind of animated trip that as a child he went on a cruise with his mother and met a young Elaine who in the future is played by Parker Posey. And there's a flashback to his mother as a younger woman putting him to bed and telling him that he doesn't have a father because his dad, when he jizzed in her for the first time to make Bo died and mm -hmm. he, Bo has inherited this genetic condition where when he comes, he will die. And so we then learn like two hours into the movie, maybe or halfway through the movie that the reason Bo is like so tightly wound, so attached to mummy. And also there's a shot of him getting in the bath and you notice huge engorged balls that Bo has never come once in his whole goddamn sad life, mm -hmm. which sadly turns into a big plot point. Yeah. Bo <laughs> is a virgin on. who can't drive. Then we finally make it to the mummy's house and can't believe we're both saying that now, but we make it to the mother's house. She is dead or is she? Well, there's a van out the front for Shiva Steve's Grub for the Grieved and they are <laughs> packing out all the chairs from her incredible house. Need to know where that was filmed. Honestly, all of the like business names and stuff, 
it feels like a fucked up Simpsons episode. Yes, they're all like background gags. Yeah. I guess we haven't mentioned that the reason Bo is traveling home was first just to visit his mother, but then he gets a call from... Bill Hader. Bill Hader, playing a UPS guy, <laughs> um, who was there delivering a package and saw that a chandelier had fallen on his mother's head and she no longer has a head. So hereditary hive rise say, up. She no longer has a face or head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So cannot identify Mona. And then as everyone starts sitting shiver for Mona, her lawyer, played by Richard Kind, Mm -hmm. is calling Bo and guilting him even more, saying that his mother can't be buried until he appears. That was in her will. Um, So he finally arrives at her house. He's had some no good, very bad days. He's had a hard time. He has. So he gets there. He sees his mother's body in the coffin, or is it? And then he goes down the stairs. And this was kind of my favorite expositional moment in this film. Again, incredible production design. We see that over the course of her life and career, she has made the freezer meals that Bo eats. She's made the security cameras and surveillance technology that we now know has been tracking him this whole time. She owns the building, the decrepit building that he lives in and also all of the freaks outside the apartment and inside the apartment worked for her. Yeah. There's a poster of employees and you see Nathan Lane, you see birthday boy stab Dick or whatever his name was. Fully tattooed man. Yeah. Um, So you're now realizing that Mona has been in control of this whole thing. There are all these photos of Bo throughout his life, but one of them is a still from earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. So she's been tracking poor she's little Bo. She's been tracking poor, yeah. poor little Bo. Of course, that brings us to the major sex scene in the film, which I knew was coming. You did? Yes, I had been spoilt on that one between Parker Posey and Joaquin Phoenix when Bo is going to have sex for the first time. Bo is still afraid, but he's also inside Parker Posey. Oh, uh, my God. It is... This scene, I mean, set to Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey. Oh, wow. It made, uh, I felt like screaming in the cinema because I'd seen Mariah Carey on the red carpet at the premiere for the film. And I was like, why? (laughs) Yeah. But, um. And then you learn. You learn. And Bo comes, but doesn't die. He's still alive. He's still alive. His mother was lying to him his whole life. Unfortunately for Parker. Unfortunately, she is frozen. Her heart stopped <laughs> mid-riding. And oh, my God. When they carry his, when she is carried off his, like, body. What's that word called? Rigor mortis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. There was a fucked up part of me. I told you this also, Jinxie, that they're carrying Parker Posey's naked body, like, rigid, still in the position that she was riding him. I did have the thought of, because it's A24, I was like, they're going to make a statue or a candle or something of that, and I am going to buy it. (laughs) I haven't seen any merch yet. No, me neither. Mm. I wonder what they'd make. It's probably come out by the time that we've uh, done this episode. Something's come out. Something. And it's Mona. She's appearing from the dark. She's been watching everything. Patty Lupone, not dead, bitch. (laughs) She, Bo's loyal housekeeper, or her loyal housekeeper through all of Bo's childhood, um is the woman who is headless lying in the coffin. Yeah. 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 She continues to guilt Bo and torment him um, and then sends him up into the attic where he's been having these kind of like trauma flashbacks <laughs> and you realise that Bo had a kind of, again, Simpsons. She was like, that's your memory. Yeah. <laughs> like evil 
brother chained up in the attic along with what, like 12 feet, 20 feet tall, engorged dick and balls, which is penis monster. Bo's dad. Bo's dad. It's his dad. His dad's alive. (laughs) After all, (laughs) it's, it was so funny and so stupid. And, uh, I, that really got a laugh out of me. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. I wrote in my notes, Bo, don't go in the attic. Yeah, no, don't. <laughs> so do not, scary. Bo. <laughs> He's got big pincers. He's kind of like yes. a giant spider from Harry Potter or something. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. I guess they're his, are they like pubic hairs? Like really sharp pubic hairs? I don't know. Oh, are they? I don't know. It's just. I just thought he was kind of a riffing. monster. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. He uh, certainly is. <laughs> He certainly is. He certainly is. And then, I mean, I didn't write notes from there because what transpires after that is... Anybody's um, guess? <laughs> is, is a really kooky dookie. <laughs> yeah, so it's essentially, like, we think that Bo has escaped by boat and then actually he's in a stadium that is very Truman Show-esque of, like, very Kafka, yeah. where, like, suddenly he's on trial by uh, Patty Lapone and Richard Kind as her lawyer. And he's got his own lawyer that we've never heard of before on the other side of the stadium, <laughs> and you can't really hear him kind of trying to interject on behalf of Bo. Mm. And Bo has sort of comebacks for everything of why he was a good son or why he wasn't a bad son. Mm. Um but you can't like it's not getting anywhere. Yeah, it's a kind of a lifetime of grievances from his mother towards him, including her disappointment that um, for two years in a row on her birthday he gave her a CD of the soundtrack to For the Boys, starring Bette Midler and James Caan. It's pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> and then he explodes. Yeah, that's it. He explodes. His boat capsizes, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And then the credits roll for a really, really long time over that image of just this boat in the water. And kind of gurgling. Gurgling. You don't want Bo to come up from that. God, no. No. He's he's better left where he is. And I was watching the boat for so long that I didn't realise that the stadium is fully cleared out by the time I, like, directed my gaze back up at them. Mm, Yeah. So we didn't talk about this after the film, mm. but like, did you like Bo is Afraid? Because it is getting some very bad reviews. I liked it. I'm kind of, I'm not surprised that I liked it. I think I kind of abandoned any ideas I had of like what an Ari Aster film is, mm. I guess. And as a comedy, I think it's really effective as a film about like, maternal guilt and like intergenerational trauma I Mm. think it's like really smart and it's also really fucking silly and I just really adore that such a demented extremely fucked up funny bizarre film can be made on the scale that it was made and released on the scale that it was released at but besides all of that, yeah, I liked it. I think it's worth seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I did too. I did not enjoy watching it and I gleefully watched Hereditary and Midsummer. Like I, both those films I had like, gr- I was grinning from ear to ear. Like mm-hmm. I loved them. And I think in, they were more beautiful to watch as well. Oh, even yeah. in Hereditary, like we've done the spoiler for Bo is Afraid. So I am assuming that you have seen Hereditary listener but I went to like a very, very early press screening of Hereditary because I was meant to interview Tony Collette for it. 
and uh, the scene where the teenage daughter's head is decapitated by a telegraph pole. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! During that whole scene where she's having an anaphylactic fit in the back of the car, a siren, like a no- alarm, was going off in the tiny screening room I was in. Like it just wouldn't stop, and because like the movie is quite a lot's going on in there. I and like the maybe f- I think there were four other people in the whole cinema because we were all meant to be interviewing Tony and uh, it <laughs> it just wouldn't stop anyway and we were like well this must be the movie like who knows what is happening in this fucking movie everything's crazy and then a security guard came in and turned on the lights and then was like everybody has to get out there's a fire alarm and so they paused it like on like the second after her head falls off right that's that's up on screen we go outside and we're all just like blinking in like the 10 a.m sunlight in sydney just being like oh my god what are we watching none of us had ever heard of like ariasta hadn't seen his shorts or anything like that anyway finally went back in it was just because uh, someone in the office above was making toast and set off the smoke (laughs) alarm anyway we go back into the film and uh, they start it from that thing and I was like no you have to go back like until like the beginning of when she's having the fit because like I need the emotional story here like I really need to be able to watch it you also have to watch it without a siren without going a siren on. and there were these two girls in the screen and they turned around and they were like no no and they were really upset that I wanted to go back a bit like rewind it because it's such a traumatic scene anyway I won I made them watch it again good yeah it was worth it have you heard that joke on the internet that's like a Cockney person saying the name of that movie is spoiling it. A red it tree. <laughs> I haven't, but that's very good. Yeah, sorry for saying that on a, into a microphone. Love it. Um, but yeah, look, I so I really enjoyed those both of those films so much. I just had such a good time in the cinema. I didn't have a good time watching yeah. Bo is Afraid. Um, I was watching it going like, this is kind of like synecdoche and also kind of like mother. Yeah. I, I got big Charlie Kaufman vibes. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. And I got some bad Aronofsky in there, but, mm. um, I, yeah, look, I didn't, I was sitting there going like, really, I'm not a, this film's too long person, but that film was too long. Yeah. Um, the people, some people in the cinema couldn't open the door to get out after it finished and we were we were all like, oh, God, are we in the movie? Like, had this kind of scary moment. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and, like, I talked to a few people afterwards and I was like, yeah, I don't know about it. Like, I don't know that you should see it. Like, I don't really, you know, normally I would recommend an Ari Aster film. But, like, a couple of weeks have passed and I like it more and more. Yeah. It's a grower, not a shower. Yeah, me too. I think it's the kind of movie that you can't obviously put on – when your friends come over and want to watch a movie or when someone's like, what should we see? What about this? Like you really need to know what you're in for. Yeah. Do not watch it on a plane if Mm. it's offered. Oh my God. Oh my God. Can you imagine peering over someone's shoulder and seeing the penis monster? monster. The fact that we're talking about a film with a giant penis monster and we're like, you know what? Yeah. Actually it was good. Go in and spend three plus hours in the cinema. Yeah. Like I told my girlfriend, I was like, I don't think you need to see this one. Um, and then a couple of days later, I was like, actually, you should clear some schedule this week and go and see it. I think you should go and you need to see it. Yeah. And it's definitely a, unfortunately it is a see it in the cinema kind of film because I reckon you're going to turn it off if it's at home. You'll be distracted. You'll, you'll be playing on your Blossom Blast on your phone. 
Yeah. I don't want to see anyone also Instagramming the screen while they're watching it at home. No. I also, I did love, because it has been getting extremely divisive reviews, um, but I loved that the first screening of it was oh my god <laughs> the Alamo Draft House, um, the one in Brooklyn, um, and the audience there thought that they were watching the director's cut of Midsummer. They'd bought the tickets, but actually, it was the first screening of Bo is Afraid. And then the Q and A was done afterwards with Emma Stone. What a ridiculous, like, can you imagine? I think there was one important fact that it was on April 1st. It was on April 1st. Sorry, I missed that. (laughs) I missed the punchline. Ari Aster is a freaking joker. He sure is, my dude. (laughs) Um, There are a couple of other little Easter eggs that I found really delightful. One is that Bo's call log on his mobile phone just shows that he calls mom, therapist, and movie phone. I know, I love movie phone because it's also movie phone doesn't exist anymore. So you're like, but when is this? When when is this movie? Yes, and he's but the movies I think is set in like 2021. Yeah, so Bo's still calling movie phone that doesn't exist. <laughs> love it, love it. Oh, honey, um, Richard Kind, as we've mentioned, plays Mona's lawyer. Um, fun trivia. I once saw him in a town car in New York. I was crossing a street and the car was stopped and he had the window down and I just came face to face with Richard Kind, but couldn't remember his last name. So I kept telling everyone on that trip. I was like, I saw Richard Dreyfus this morning. <laughs> That's a good celeb spot. Wasn't him. And Vulture did a list of all the Easter eggs in the film, which I really enjoyed. And it was a good list. So good. One of them was that Bo's plane ticket when he was flying to see his mum is that he's flying from Karina CR, which apparently is a reference to Karina Karina, the 1994 Whoopi Goldberg Ray Liotta movie, <laughs> which was a childhood fave. Yeah, what a weird, what a weird reference. Fucking to bizarre, throw in. Ari Aster. Yeah, all right. Um, all right, Aster, settle down. All right, Aster, chill out. I've Shut got up, bro. Vulture. I think all my C also's are from Vulture. They've done such good stuff. They've done good coverage. On Bo is Afraid. But one of them is that they interviewed a urologist. Oh, God. To ask about the, the reality behind Bo's, like, can't come disease. Um, and that urologist is, like, very deep. He said, you know, like, the idea of someone having big balls is means, like, they're brave and they're tough. But Bo is the opposite. And he said, one of the quotes that he said is, the real question is, is ejaculation beneficial? (laughs) And in the final moments of the article, they said, if one finds a murderous penis in the attic, should they call a urologist? And he said, I was thinking about that. I don't think there are any representations of humongous, monstrous penises with insect legs in nature. So one needs to think about it through the lens of metaphor. Maybe the metaphor is that masculinity chained up is dangerous. When it's repressed, it takes a monstrous form. I'm not much a philosopher, nor am I a psychologist. I'm just a urologist. (laughs) Wow. I need to read that. Deep. Um, My only other see also for this is A24 podcast uh, had a really good episode with Joaquin and Ari Aster talking about their experiences on set. And they seem like a good match for each other. Did they have a good hang on the pod? I think they did. <laughs> the Ringer also did a, an interview about getting the Mariah Carey mm. song, which was great. And apparently after Ari Aster wrote her a letter, she watched the scene on a phone that was glitching 
but had not seen the previous two-ish hours. So he was kind of like, did she really understand what she was agreeing to? Question mark. Not really. Oh, I don't think it matters. Don't think it matters. It's all right. It's iconic and it makes her even more so. Truly. Bowie's afraid. See it in a cinema. Yeah. Or not. I'm still juries out. See it in a cinema if you're going to see it. Yeah, if you're going to see it. Like I was always going to see it. You were always going to see it. Yeah. And I'll see the next one. Absolutely. I'll be there opening night, Ari. <laughs> or on April Fool's. <laughs> Just in case. Seeing, buying tickets to every single film. <laughs> Okay, it is time for also also's where we recommend different things to each other and to you. BL, what's your first? My first one is a long-term, lifelong fave um, that is newly accessible. The film The Hairy Bird <gasps> is on SBS On Demand in oh. Australia. Um, I saw someone tweet about it and I just had to share the news. I no longer need to rely on the YouTube upload titled (laughs) AIWD, which stands for All I Want to Do, which is another title for the film, along with Strike. So it's very tricky to Google, famously. Um, If you've never seen The Hairy Bird, it stars all my girls, Kirsten Dunst, Heather Matarazzo, Gabby Hoffman, Rachel Lee Cook, Lynn Redgrave, not one of my girls famously, but she is in this (laughs) film, Um, and Merritt Weaver. It is about this group of girls at a kind of – stately boarding school for women which is down on its luck running out of money and there's a plan to merge it with a boys school and it's like set in the 1960s some of the girls into it they want to be around boys more a lot of the girls led by Kirsten Dunst are really opposed to the idea um and it's written and directed by Sarah Kernishan who it's kind of took inspiration from her real life she graduated from this school called Rosemary Hall in 1965 where she was a classmate of Glenn Close uh trivia uh Dicko shout out um that school <laughs> later merged with the Choate School for Boys and that school is now like you know famous second best boarding school and third best private school in America according to Wikipedia but it's called Choate Rosemary Hall or just referred to as Choate now. Mm. So it's, you know, it's just kind of assumed the identity of the boys' school that absorbed it. Wow. Anyway, The Hairy Bird, an iconic film of my life and my childhood. I am so grateful that I was kind of raised on this film. Um, yeah, I adore it. Still watch it religiously very often. Um, and it's on SBS On Demand. That is such good news because I also love that film. And it is hard to see. Yeah. I didn't know about that sneaky YouTube situation. Oh, yeah. yeah. I also had completely <laughs> forgotten that Merritt Weaver is in it. Yeah, yeah. Love her. She's so great. Um, poodle, question mark? Anyway. What's poodle your- exclamation mark. Okay, great. Thanks. What a relief. What's your first <laughs> one, Jixi? Uh, my first one is a listen also. It's a website called Wilding Radio. Actually nabbed this one from previous also, also Jessica Stanley's Read, Look, Think Substack newsletter, which if you haven't subscribed, you need to. But Wilding Radio is a solar-powered quadraphonic live audio feed, (laughs) which is placed near a dam at a rewilding project in West Sussex. Uh, And you can select your level of air and water that you're listening to. Oh, my God. And you can hear, like, the change in bird and, like, animal, like, wildlife through the seasons. It's beautiful. So they have, like, microphones in a fallen mulberry tree and then some underwater. And anyway, it's this really great, like the perfect soundtrack for writing. Yeah. 
it's really fab. It's wilding.radio and it's totally free. I think I've recommended Noisly in the past, which mm-hmm. you end up having to mm. kind of pay for if you want more things. But this one you just go like, I'd prefer some more air than water today. Mm. Yeah. This is very um what was that Peter Strickland movie? Where they're like sonic engineers, sonic architects oh, or Flux Gourmet. It's very Flux Gourmet. It's very. Um, my next one is a flip also. It's Becky Orphan's Book of Girls. Hooray! And this was one that Jinxie also had on her list of also also because we both adore Becky and her work. She is a true Melbourne icon, illustrator, designer, artist. She's created Book of Girls, which is a self-published archive of over 30 years of her work, images from her life, inspirations. It's truly wild. Like I've known Becky for a few years, but flicking through the book, I realized I've known her work for so much Mm. longer, like long before I moved to Melbourne and could see things in galleries. I was looking at her stuff in books and magazines and on posters and artwork and clothes, like the archive like runs very, very deep and there's so much of it that's just like I'm flicking through and I see wrapping paper that I wrapped my school books in. <laughs> yeah, as I said, it's self-published. It was designed by Trick Studio in Melbourne. It launched as part of Melbourne Design Week, but you can still order it from uh, beckyorpen.bandtshirts.com. But as always, we'll have all these links in the show notes. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and it's so nice to be able to see like her interests through this book and also the fact that it is a very beautifully published book like it's mm. a, it's really nice to have a great artist book yeah yeah it was so exciting when it arrived in the mail congratulations becky congratulations <laughs> uh my next one is a free also uh this one is because the monthly is celebrating its 200th issue at the moment They've actually removed their paywall until the 30th of June. So you can access their whole online archive till then, which is good news. Uh, But you have to search through uh, their actual magazine. So like not just articles that they've published because they publish Mm. online only. So Mm -hmm. this is like access to the printed magazines online. Oh, wow. Uh, I suggest that you start with Sean Kelly's latest cover story, which is the year of living cautiously about the first 12 months of the Albanese government in Australia. Or you can go back a little ways, not too far, and read BL's incredible piece about the whale from a few issues ago. Thanks, Jinxie. But you can go right back through the whole, the whole, like their whole archive. Mm. So we'll put the link up, but it's just the monthly.com.au slash magazine. Oh, that's amazing. I had no idea. My last one is a listen also. It's Brainworms, the new record by RVG. Uh, it's their third record. RVG are an incredible Melbourne punk band led by Romy Vega. Um, it's their third record, but their first on Ivy League. Um it's just as always Romy's like observations about people and the world and her life are just so spot on, so funny and dark and like really stick with you. Um, like there's one song on there, Tambourine, which really evokes the feeling of being in a live streamed funeral. And for anyone who had to experience that over the last few years, it is it just immediately the feeling of letting someone go over Google Chrome is like one of the lyrics and um, yeah, just incredible stuff from RVG as per, I adore them. Um, Their album launch is on at the forum next week as part of rising. I'm not sure if there are any tickets left, but I'm sure there's going to be a tour imminent as well, but yeah, listen to Brainworms. Cool. I need to listen to that. Also such great live performers. So good. So good. 
So cool. My last one is a watch also. We mentioned it at the top of the pod, but I could not let it go without another recommendation. It is Deadlock. It is on Amazon Prime. It's a really great black comedy crime drama with a beautiful neo-gothic Tasmanian setting, all-star cast. Uh, Yeah, it's just beautifully written by Kate McCartney and Kate McLennan and... I don't know how it will unfurl. Me too. Also, the arts festival in Tasmania as a setting is just, it's unreal. It's It's really good. And it's one of the most perfect uh, opening scenes of a TV show I've ever seen, Mm -hmm. which I don't want to give away if you haven't watched it yet because it is so funny. So, so funny. So you can watch that on Amazon Prime. Do a little free subscriber thing, like trial, if you don't want to pay the Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you're darting your eyes back and forth like he's listening. He is listening. Yeah, Fam- he's, he's listening. Famously, he's listening. He's listening. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. As always, if you can head over to Instagram and give us a follow or share this episode, tag your friends. We're at the Also Podcast and over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you leave us a five-star rating and write a little review, we'll love you forever. We will. Please tell your friends about us. And speaking of friends, thank you as ever to Samuel Hodge for our artwork and Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music. See ya. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.